kill. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Locked On Browns, I'm your host, Jeff Floyd. Uh, guys, you've been doing such a great job here as fans, the listening, everything. Just going to be another big month here for us, December, as we uh, you know, extend into the offseason. And obviously, going to be a ton to talk about in the offseason. But I appreciate everybody. I hope everybody's Christmas was fantastic. I hope you got everything you wanted. Maybe you ventured out and asked for some things besides Browns gear this year. Uh, I can understand why you guys would be a little bit, you know, a little bit soured. I truly understand. Uh, it seems, you know, that maybe sometimes the fan base here, you know, has a stronger commitment to this team than maybe the owner. So, guys, I can truly understand that with, you know, every breath that I take. Uh, look, it was a tough loss on Sunday. There's no way getting around that. Uh, Jake does such a great job Mondays and Tuesdays, usually after the game, to break it down. We're going to get to that. Jake Burns is here with us this evening. Uh, but the news of the day is obviously over the weekend, you know, the Josh rumors started to matriculate that maybe, you know, this isn't the place he wants to be. And look, for a 21-year-old kid, A number one, he's an L.A. kid. Maybe Cleveland isn't the most desired destination. Uh, and what's going on here? And me and Jake are going to get that in a little bit. You can understand why you know the kid would have you know some hesitation to want to come here. Uh, you know, I'm going to give some ideas on what you're going to need to do to talk to Josh Rosen, and you know maybe realize that this is a very good opportunity for him. Uh, without further ado, though, uh, Jake, you know Christmas is coming, gone. Uh, you know Sunday was a tough one. Uh, it would have been nice to get that W with probably the last. Winnable game on the schedule, you know, 0-16 is, you know, right there, you know, brick wall right dead in front of you. But uh, how you been, buddy? How's everything going? And, you know, it's, you know, times are still tough. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. It's it's good. We we had a nice Christmas, like, uh, like a couple of people probably know my wife and I are expecting. So got all the gifts we could. Our, our child made out in the gift department. This is the first year where I haven't really gotten any gifts, so it was, it was a bit of an eye-opener for me, and I'm okay Get with that. Get used man. to it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm okay with that. So he made out. We got a lot of things that we were hoping for, so that's the good part. Sunday, uh, football-wise, as you know, did not did not go as we hoped it would go. Um, felt like it was a Super Bowl for uh, us in terms of finding a win. Um, just just disappointing. That's It's... it's it's been an, uh, 15, 16 weeks now of disappointment, and there's no way to really put a ribbon on it. Okay, and one tip I'm going to give you now, Jake, as you're headed towards fatherhood. Christmas is not about wants. Christmas is about needs. I need new boots because it's winter. I need this. I need that. You maybe got a shot when you throw need in it. Nobody's going to ask you what you want because you are now, you're actually now third fiddle. So if you want to, you know, will you guys ever decide to have more kids? That's just the further and further you're going down the rung, my friends. Just to give you that heads up. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I was told. Is that you get a you get once you get married. My mom told me you get half the gifts. Then once you have a kid, you get a quarter of the gift. So I'm working my way into the needs department, my friend. Well, that's the best part. It, there's three of you, and she already cut you out into a quarter rate. So <laughs> now you see where this is headed, buddy. You see, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but the thing with Josh Rosen now, actually, we have you know we have somebody who's put a quote to it. And, you know, like I said, look, I, I can understand, you know, the, the trepidation that this young man would have. Um, look, you only get, you know, one time to be a high draft pick. You only get one opportunity. You want it to go right. Um, for him, look, he, he doesn't have the position that an Eli Manning had. He doesn't have a powerful NFL family behind him that has people behind the scenes they can go to. 
So, but yes, he can he can plant his trump card in different ways. Obviously, we've already done it with the rumblings. Once Adam Schefter's talking about a kid who hasn't even declared for the draft yet, obviously somehow, some way, whether it's agents, you know, that you know, Josh prospective agents that Josh is speaking with, this stuff gets leaked for a reason. Now, how do you view it? Does he necessarily not want Cleveland? For me, the first thing I think about is is anybody he's talking to, you know, NFL-wise, oh, yeah, there's a real good chance you're going to go to number one in the draft. And look who's coaching that team. And it's, uh, you know, basically handles things with a nine-year-old mentality of, wasn't me, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's, it's, it's everybody else. Which, and now you look at it, if Hugh Jackson were to be retained, what is his life expectancy as head coach of this team? If he wins a couple games, maybe he's got September. Yeah. Is he gone by Halloween? But these are so many things, and this is what you have to understand when you're looking with a guy like this. But, Jake, go ahead and step in here a little bit now. No, man, that's 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 the question. It's going to be really hard for me, and I hate saying this because I love the Browns you know, as much as, as humanly possible, but it's hard for me to pull for a Hugh Jackson-led team next year based on what I've seen the past two years. And and with Josh, I, I, I get where Josh is coming from. I would, I would certainly say – it's a tough place to look at from the outside, especially when you're in sunny California. You to look at Cleveland and say, "Man, I'd I'd be lucky to get drafted there." I know what Miles Garrett said today about, you know, be grateful and all that. Miles had his issues coming into the draft too. I got into this topic a little bit with a couple of people that, you know, Josh has the ability. He's got a rich, you know, his family's done well for himself. Josh is a smart guy. He has the ability to play the card of I'm not playing in Cleveland that we saw from Eli and we saw from Elway, but there were factors that played into those guys. I, I truly think that if Josh, he will, he, he has no choice but to be here. He will come in and play hard. He will, he will come in and give his all, you know, people get taken into situations in life they don't want to be in, but that's not necessarily, you know, he's not going to come here and just sit around and pout and sulk and throw away his career just because he got drafted to Cleveland. You figure it out, man. You make the best of the situation you're put into. And I think he'll do that. The thing that people tend to overlook is, you know, is with Elway. Elway played the baseball card. He had a genuine baseball card to play, and he played it. Eli had the luck of being in the quarterback class of a lifetime that also included Phillip Rivers, who the Chargers happened to like. If there's no Phillip Rivers in that draft, Eli has a career in San Diego. There's no <laughs> there's no way around that. So that's what we got to look at here. Is there something – it's easy to sit here and say he could force his way out of Cleveland, but is there something the Browns are going to grade just as high to make that trade? So are they going to are they going to grade Sam Darnold high? Are they going to grade – Baker Mayfield high enough, so that's what we have to analyze here. I mean, I, I just—it's overblown to me to an extent. I don't think any player that is in the draft will look at Cleveland subjectively and say, "Man, I really want to go there." It's probably just not going to happen for us. It's like we want it to happen because we love it and we want to see it turn around. But are those guys all going to say that? Not necessarily. Like I don't know. I love Baker Mayfield, the competitor and the person, but is he going to say, "I want to go to Cleveland"? I don't know until I hear it. So I'm not going to make up that narrative. I just think it's a it's a tad bit overblown. He'll come here if he's drafted here, and I guarantee when he gets here, he'll give it everything he has. So just I think it's just sit back and watch it happen. If they want to trade, they find equal value. I'm fine with that. There are other good quarterbacks in this class, but I believe firmly that if Josh Rosen's taken here, we'll be lucky to have him, and he'll give it his all if he comes. I, I think here th- there's really only one option you have to do, and obviously you you need to move on from your head coach. And look, at the end of the day, you know, John Dorsey, I, I'm sure there will be a sit-down, and John's going to say, well, look, he's 1-31. Uh, it's going to take five seasons of him being a top-notch playoff team to possibly get a 500 record as head coach of this team. 
And look, there's already been talent brought in that he hasn't been able to get it out of. So now here we are with $100 million in cap space and free agency. Here we are with 12 more draft picks. And he, him himself, you know, look, you know, and people agree, oh, all the talent's not here. Well, then if it's not, if it's not showing, then why do you expect him to give him even more that it's going to show? What you need, so you move on. And then here's, so you, you burn, you cut that bridge and make it a little easier. You know, find a QB friendly guy, a, somebody who's a flavor that would be appealing. Now what do you do? Yeah. You have Miles yeah. Garrett. You have Jabril Peppers. You have Corey Coleman. You pull these young guys, and you know what? They start texting Josh Rosen. They start talking with Josh Rosen. And, you know, that's part of what it is. I mean, you're going to have to sell it because already he's got, you know, reservations. You're going to have to sell it. I mean, if you want to bring in LeBron James, I mean, you got to do something here to sell him on this city. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I can't. I can't argue for Hugh Jackson. You know. You know it as well as I do. Having him here is not. It's. It's just not. It's not beneficial to anybody at this point. It's to me. It's just. It's silly to argue about because it's so obvious. There has to be. And this is conjecture, but there just has to be something that was signed in the contract or something that came along with Hugh. Because Hugh was a hot commodity, if you recall. I know you followed it closely, like I did. Yep. At that time, he was a hot commodity. So was there something written in his contract that he gets three years? at the minimum and if he doesn't get three years he has some sort of ridiculous fiscal out i'm i don't know what it is the, it, the only i only speculate with that because it has been that bad that it is actually laughable that he might be even throwing games it, it is I, I get it he's a smart guy he, he he knows football but there's some disconnect going on here and his amount of carefree attitude and the in the way they've handled all of this makes me think that there's something that the public isn't aware of it just it, because Hugh Jackson just can't the one in thirty one in thirty. It's it's probably going to be one in thirty one. I'm not sure what you can say he's done for the culture, for the environment, for the for the potential of the guys around him. I just don't see, I don't see anything that he has done that has been beneficial that says I want to keep that guy. A lot of people compare it to what the Sixers did with Brett Brown, but Brett Brown was getting players to progress the way they needed to progress to point them to keeping him. I just don't. I'm open to hearing it. If I hear it from somebody who, is, who can who can show me what he has done to benefit the organization going forward, I just don't see it. Well, and that's the other thing, though. I mean, you know, part of the, you know the Brett Brown example you use, there was a lot of injuries and guys that weren't playing yet. So it was like, oh, well, you know, judge him more when he gets everybody. That's not the case here. Uh, you know, Hughes got all hands on deck, and he's taking a team that was substantially better talent-wise, and he's about to go 0-16. Granted, getting yeah. that one win last year was a little bit impressive. I mean, that team was not very good. But now here you are this year, much improved, and then you got Josh Gordon back, which nobody was really expecting. And, you know, it's it's just gotten progressively worse. They're not going out high. They're going out on a low note. Everything here says you need to change the coach. And, you know, that's the culture you need to go with. Guys, obviously it's Steelers week. Uh, my buddy John Ledyard, uh, he does Locked On Steelers. He also takes care of Locked On Draft here on the Locked On Network. Guys, John does great work. We're going to get together this week. We'll, you know, we'll talk about that. It'll be interesting from the low of lows. I'll come in from the Browns angle with John with the highs of highs on his angle with the Steelers. So look out for that this week. But anything Steelers need, uh, anything Steelers wise you want, John Ledyard has you covered. Uh, we're going to go into the uh, obviously the uh, Sunday game. And, uh, look, I, I think ending up with the field goal at half was a bright spot. Uh, you know, anytime your kicker can nail a 48-yarder in the snow, obviously the play to Lewis was one of the bright spots of the game. It, you know, you felt good about the second half. 
you had the potential Miles Garrett interception for a touchdown, feeling good about yourself. You know, Nassib, Jabril Peppers, just no excuse for either of those guys. I mean, God darn, just look at the freaking football. You know whether you're whether or not you lined up correctly. Uh, but, Jake, give me – I guess we'll go offense first. Uh, you know, like I mentioned to you before we started this, it's kind of interesting when you go with the run-and-shoot strategy in a, you know, in snow, in Chicago, in late December. Uh, you know, running backs, again, you know, getting the job done and just completely forgotten about. But go ahead, Jake. What, what stood out to you offensively? Um, <clears throat> offensively, not much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have anything really benefit. I mean, Josh Gordon looked as lethargic as I thought he's looked all year. Um, Corey Coleman only had three targets the entire game, um, which I highlighted. His last two weeks of targets have just been absolutely terrible in terms of where they're trying to get him the ball, how they're trying to get him the ball, and Kaiser's accuracy when they try to. I genuinely feel bad for Deshaun Kaiser. I, I know that. I know that might sound weird in a vacuum, but the kid is in way over his head. It's obvious he has to know it. He's asked to throw the ball 35 times in sub-zero temperatures in the snow in Chicago against a pretty good defense. Like, I just don't know what we're expecting. I, I, I don't know how – you you know, when I was an offensive coordinator, I would lay out a game plan and I'd say, this is the amount of runs we need to have and this is the amount of throws we need to have to find any level of success. And they're throwing it 35 times a game with the worst quarterback in the NFL this year. I, ju- I just – I don't understand. I would like to sit down at the table with you and understand where, where it all – coming from because like okay the second half after after the you know the failed interception return and the bears throw a quick screen 65 yards and get down score touchdown the next run it's still only 13-3 you pull your guys together on the sideline you say to them hey forget the scoreboard we're going to play like it's zero zero we're going to come out we're going to establish a run and we're going to work off of it and we're just going to get back into this game one chip at a time they don't do that they just come out and they play like it's 42 to 14 and they're throwing the ball as frequently as they can. I mean, their third possession of the game in general, they ran two play action passes and a third and ten downfield throw. It's just, I don't, I, I'm a big fan of, of rhythm and sequencing when it comes to offense. The best offenses in college football and the NFL use it to their advantage. One of the best ones this year was when they had Deshaun Watson was was the what Houston was doing offensively. I don't see it. I don't. They don't. They don't piggyback plays off of each other. They don't set things up, come back to it later type of things. They don't do that. There's nothing creative we see creative wrinkles all across the nfl i just don't see it um as far as guys that played pretty well i, I thought seth that played pretty well he's had catching 22 straight games now um i thought up front i i mean i i, I thought batonio played a pretty solid game sean coleman was average to below average i don't know i hate my answer to this question but it just wasn't good they put up three points and they just could you know they had 240 yards of offense so i don't know <laughs> not, not much positive, my friend. I think the worst part for the offense was is once the Miles Garrett interception was called back and the way that drive unfolded and it put him on the wrong end of it. And it was just, you know, it was, all right, here we go again. And look now, you know, with the second youngest roster in the league at 0-14, when you were starting to get down in the snow, in the cold, Christmas Eve, on the road, it's normal for these guys to check out. And, you know, obviously with a head coach that they have no faith in, I mean, it all just aligns, and you can kind of see why it happens. Uh, I think Duke Johnson, uh, you know, again, I thought looked well, you know, obviously in his role. Uh, looking at Duke Johnson, probably going to end up with over 70 receptions here this year. Great job by Duke. Rashard Higgins, I, I mean, I felt nothing, but I just felt terrible for him because that was a, it was an yeah. effort upon effort upon effort play to do everything he did. And you know what? But the thing was is you saw him. There wasn't anybody else there. Nobody looked to pick up a crack back. 
you know, and nobody did anything, and it was all on his own. And for you know, for the way that play unfolded, the way it did, I mean, nothing is more of an epitome, you know, an epitome of an 0-16 season than something like that. Uh, defensively, yeah. Uh, you know, Defensively, like I said, you know, Nassib Peppers absolutely 110% excusable. You have to know where you are on the field at all times, especially when you are on the damn line of scrimmage. I'm a wide receiver. It is just that obvious. You know, they used to teach you, oh, you know, ask the referee. I don't need to ask the referee. The ball's right there. I know whether or not I'm on, you know, whether I'm on the line or not. Just inexcusable. But, uh, you know, one guy will highlight, I think Burgess. Burgess is a guy I like. I I think he's got a future here. Uh, You know, definitely active. So, you know, he was one that impressed, you know, Miles again with another sack. You know, Ogan Joby. I threw this comp out on uh, Sunday. Uh, if you guys don't remember what, you know, if you're younger, you don't remember what Warren Sapp looked like as an NFL pro, this might be a guy that you want to look at and see what Ogan Joby can do. It just, with each week, it seems like he picks up a little bit more. And there's just times, you know, this guy is going to flat out dominate as the years go on. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I thought I thought up front, other than Carl uh, Nassa, they played pretty well. Uh, Coley Brantley held their own. Uh, Miles flashed some really good plays um, that stuck out. I'm sorry, stood out to me. Larry Up and Joby, I think I think he had three TFLs and a sack. He he's mm-hmm. gonna be really good. I would like to hear from Greg Williams at the end of the year why he hasn't played more snaps. I know there have been some injury concerns. My, I mean, he looks like he's in shape, so I'm not sure that it could be a in, in, in shape issue. I, I just would like to know. Maybe they just don't think he's ready, which is fair, too. He, he flashes the type of excellence that can make you think he could be a, a really good three technique that can get 80% of your snaps up front. Um, linebackers did okay. I think James Burgess, like you said, has a really good instinct um, ability that gets him to the football more often than not. Um, I think that's going to translate long-term for that kid. I think he's going to be really good. Kirksey still confuses me. Seems to just always be a step slow. Good player, just always a step slow and got caught three or four times on key third downs, just a step slow in his coverage of his, who he was responsible for, who's covering in his zone. Joe Scobert played pretty well. Uh, Jabril Pepper's up near the box. I, I, I like Jabril's skill set still. I think he's got a lot of progressing he can still do. Didn't really do much in, in that role that Kendrick played a little bit of. He's, he just... <laughs> he's just got to find his way. He reminds me so much of Darren Lee in his first year. He's just got to find his way in, in the NFL. He's got skill. He's just got to anchor down, trust what he's, he's doing, and, and find his path. He's just he's just in the wrong position all year. And as the game slows down for him, it'll work out. Better better cornerback game, Jamar Taylor and, and uh, uh, McCourty played pretty well. I, I thought Mr. Bisky was very, very spotty, to say, to say the least. He managed the game. Chicago just asked him to manage the game. Don't make any mistakes. He was very inaccurate on some throws, um, intermediate-wise. I, I still don't, I don't lose an, an, a minute of sleep passing on Mitchell Trubisky. Um, uh, but, but you know, I, I, defensively they played well enough to win again. There, there are those two inexcusable mistakes that were deflating the miles. You know, when Miles pick was was deflating because Carl's a full yard offside. I just don't know what he's looking at, and he gets the. <laughs> The bonehead personal foul penalty. You, you can't. Your second unit D line can't have penalties. I don't care if you don't make plays, but just don't kill your team. And that's that's what he, you know. I know he's been bumped up to the first team D line because of an Agba injury. But that's what you get. The thing that worries me more than anything, Jeff, is they just look like they quit. That was the, watching film and doing all these breakdowns. It felt like the game that they played with the least amount of passion all year. And I worry that this team's just quitting. They're going to get forty-two to nothing in Pittsburgh next week. It feels like a team that just doesn't want to be playing football right now, and they have just given up on the message from the top. It almost kind of just seemed like there's, you know, like the, you know, like the, the quiet, you know, revolution of we don't want to play for this man, but, yeah, we're going to stand on the field every day, and, you know, we'll kind of go through the motions. 
And look, I get it, but it is a poor look. You know, you got to play every snap for you know every snap till the end. It, it, you know, it, it, nothing more screams. You know, the guy. You know, basically, you know, the players, the ingredients. Your cook is doing nothing at this point, and I hate to keep harping on this. And this has been the thing since I've taken this over. But it, it, it's not. Nothing's going to change with him. It, 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 I don't. I don't see anything changing. Look, if you told me Aaron Rodgers was available tomorrow and signed with the Cleveland Browns, there's going to be an issue there. It, it's just the way it goes. You know, I, I I see some guys who were playing hard and were you know gave gave everything they had, and I do think you know there were guys who fought to the last whistle. You know, obviously Higgins, one of those guys, and you know, with the effort he tried to give. But I, I think these guys have tuned this man out. Uh, and in in turn, you know, have turned out all the rest of the coaching. Uh, they know that you know th- there's a lot of guys that are going to be brought in or attempted to be brought in. So maybe everybody's on eggshells that way. But it was just you know it was a terrible showing. Um, and you know as far as Mr. Bisky and you know like which like he said, uh, you know but there was Mitch, but like he found a way to get it done. And what did we say about Kaiser for the first eight, nine, ten weeks? Look, he's trying to do it with nothing. You know what, Mr. Bisky did it with nothing on Sunday. Got 20 points on the board. It proved to be the difference. Uh, yeah, no, the, go ahead. The, the, go ahead. Sorry, buddy. No, I was going to say there's there, there's there's an element to this whole thing that is just it's deflating. You got to you got to try to think of it from where these guys on the field stand from. And I, I know it's frustrating for Deshaun Kaiser because he wants to be better, but he's just not quite good enough. And and these guys on offense, you could see it several times. Where Isaiah Correll was just frustrated about being hung out to dry, and they're just they're just defeated. They they know they can't score because. They don't have anybody on their heels defensively. Teams know what they're doing. And even if Hugh turns it over to an OC, what makes you think Hugh Jackson's going to let an offensive coordinator come in and just develop his own offense, just run what he wants to run? What What about Hugh Jackson has told you on offensive side of the football that's what he's going to let you do? He's going to try to keep what he does, and the guy call plays based off of his offense. I just, I'm with you. I don't think you can sit here and say, well, if they had Carson Wentz or if they had Deshaun Watson, I want those guys. Don't get it twisted. But what makes you think, based on just watching what Hugh Jackson has done in two years, that it would work for them with what he, with what Hugh does? I mean, this is this offense. The style he runs is 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 so dependent on having really good players at the certain position from what he's he's these guys that we've seen come out. Andy Dalton, he made it work with Andy Dalton and AJ Green because that's his guy. That's his style of quarterback. So I get I get I get why he would want AJ McCarron. I get why he would want his type of guy. But there's it's just it's dumbfounding. I, I can't find a way to figure out how if Hugh Jackson stays, the Browns find a path to success, and that that really stinks with what they have an opportunity to do this offseason. Yeah, well, you brought up and actually, you know, when you, when you put this up today, with you know Crow all getting aggravated about getting hung out to dry, but part of it is, well, just hand me the stinking ball. I can get you the five yards. Yeah. I'm gonna get killed running around here. I'm a game and a quarter away from free agency. Because I'm most likely not coming back. Then just hand me the ball, and, and I'll get it done that way. Yep. And it's you know it's frustrating to see. And now Josh Gordon, as as you know, fired up as he was, and look, he doesn't he didn't care where he was coming back to play football to. He was getting to play ball again. But now he sees this, and, and he realizes that this is not a recipe for success. And you know, and like you said, you know, he could have went low here. You know, and Josh is thinking, look, I'm doing everything I can to keep myself eligible to play in the NFL. The last thing I want to do in week 16 on a frozen field is dislocate his shoulder by bailing out a quarterback who's not ready. And it's just, there's just so many signs of it. And I mean, if, you know, and, you know, I know you went, you know, and, and put out some, you know, you know, put out a statement today and put out a, a mantra of, look, there's talent here. It's just not being cultivated. It's just not being, 
you know, put in the best position to win, which I, you know, which has been what I've saying since I got here. I like the product. You look, I look at this roster and, and I think there's some guys who can do some things in every facet, every positional group, but I, I don't believe that Hugh and maybe even Greg now, the way he, you know, uh, you know, with the, with the huge cushion he was given, I don't think these guys believe it. And look, as much as McVeigh in LA, look, I mean, everybody's, oh, we'd love that. Look, I, I don't know how many 31 year old guys are ready to come in and take on a job. Yeah. You know, but I will tell you right now, I coached at 21 years old in high school. So I was coaching 17 year old guys. There needs to be some infusion here in a happy medium of excited coach, fired up coach, you know, fired up young talent that want to win. There has to be some sort of blend here. And, you know, I don't have the correct answer to who that guy is yet, but, but that's what needs to be accomplished. You're in a city with an established baseball team. You're in a city with an established basketball team. It, you have guys here. The talent is here. And you see it when these young Browns guys are going to Cavaliers games. That's, I mean, they see this. That's what they want. I mean, the only problem is, is, you know, the owner doesn't see it. Yeah, no, it's, 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 at, it's at its worst. I think it is, since it's come back in 99, it is at an all-time low for – guys buying into an organization the 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 three and 13s and the four and 12s that we were hating have turned into one and 15s and oh and 16 so the culture you can't argue that it hasn't it has not been lower than this so i don't know what they do i i don't know how they fix it i don't pretend to have all of those answers i don't blame any guy for not showing maximum effort in in a in a, in a 30 degree game in the midst of snow for an oh and 15 team with a coach that you just haven't bought into i you, you gotta have have guys that buy into what you're selling and if they're not buying into what you're selling and you're throwing these guys under the bus as frequently as you can seem to get a microphone in front of your face what what why am i going to die after a 15 yard out for you what, what makes me want to do that so you know I, I i don't blame any of these guys i just want them to win just like you do the town is there but the message is just not it's 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 not connecting i think like i said today on twitter they have a bunch of individual talent that has formed zero cohesive units throughout the year that have seen an effective group put on the field for an entire football game. They have parts. They don't have the person controlling the parts who needs to control the parts. So the encouraging thing is, like I said, and you have said many times yourself, they have the talent, and there's no denying that. I watch it. People smarter than me watch it and say the same thing. It's just they have to find a way to put it in the schemes and the leadership from the top that makes it click. That is easier said than done. It's easier tweeted than seen on the field. But that's what they're paid to do. The people at the top of the organization are paid to figure those things out. So they need to figure it out. The writing's on the wall about Hugh. Make that decision this offseason. Use your capital in both the draft and free agency, and you can put a genuine product on the field. That's what's so frustrating to guys like you and me. Is It's hard to sit here and watch and think these answers are really easy and they're right in front of us, yet we can't touch them. They're just a mirage sitting out in front of us. So that's the hard part for the fans. The fans can see it. It's just how do we get to those answers when there's such a big roadblock in the way, you know? Absolutely. Uh, guys, now would be the perfect time to go ahead, subscribe to Locked on Browns. Leave me that five-star review, guys. I appreciate you all so much. Jake, uh, we did have a couple questions here. Most of them were draft-related. Most of them were free agency-related. Give me your dream top two as it looks like. Figure. Hopefully it's going to be number one and number four. Yeah, no, I can be talked into any of these quarterbacks that are that are the top, the top two or three guys. I I, I rank you and I. I think have been on the same page about ranking Rosen and Mayfield one and two, 
in some order, in some fashion. I want one of the two of them. Um, my dream guy is Minka. I think he's the perfect defensive captain on that side of the ball when I think they need that defensive captain back there. So I would go with, with a combo of, uh, of, of, of Baker Rosen and then adding Minka with your, with your fourth pick. Your well, fourth yeah. pick sorry. I'll let you have Baker. And, but yes, we're, I mean, and I'll take Josh Rosen. I'll take the thing with Mick and Fitzpatrick is, is, is I can live with Kindred and Peppers with what they do because I can use Minka and I can disguise him so well and have him do a, you know, a myriad of things that it's okay and I can offset it. And you want to know what? Jabril, you can go play high safety on a couple of snaps. Kindred could go do it because Minka can do everything. There's just so much that can be done. And, and that's the dream scenario. And whatever you get in free agency will be, you know, will be a, you know, a coup, will just be gravy. But you have the offensive line. You have the defensive line. You have a linebacker unit that runs deep. And you have guys that you can do things with there. It's, it really is not that far away. And it, it, it's just terrible that you have a coach that doesn't see it. It's just rough. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that I've seen some people argue that how could you watch the Browns offense this year and think that they need to use another – another pick on a safety. And I, I get that narrative. I, I'm, I'm not, if they took, if they took, you know, Rosen or Baker and then they took Barkley or Darius Geis, I would have zero issue with that. I think that they've been so anemic offensively that I, I, I would, I would have a heart. It wouldn't be my time. I just think that you have to look at sometimes at the elite positions. What is what, how close is the next level to that guy? And the, and the gap between Minka and the next man to me is that much different. And you only have so many elite guys that are like, pretty much guaranteed elite guys in the NFL. Not that you can guarantee them, but you just feel like you can put an elite label on them, and, and it's a position that you could really, truly need, and I think that that's where they have to take Mink at that spot. Well, the thing is, is look, there's guys who could pl- supply you with just a center field aspect or a single high aspect, and that's fine. But Mink brings you such versatility at the position. And the funniest thing is, is I see guys bringing up Derwin James. And look, there is no bigger Florida State guy than me. Trust me, I bleed garnet and gold. But you have Jabril. You have Kindred. What in the world would you take Derwin James for? It's another guy that's uncomfortable playing the game behind him. Everything needs to be in front of him. So look, Mink is the guy. If you want a true center fielder, you can get Whitehead. You can get Armani Watts later. That's fine. But, you know, Mink is the Swiss Army knife, and he excels everywhere. That's the guy you need. Guys, Locked On Browns, episode 138. Jake Burns here. Look, we only have one of these post-game wraps left. And i got to be honest, guys, they're getting rough to do because you're not getting the product you all deserve. Uh, for Jake Burns, Jake, uh, tell everybody where they can find everything, all the great work you're doing, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a couple of simple places, waitingfornextyear.com, blog up in Cleveland. Uh, I write some stuff for them pretty much every week, and then I do a lot of Twitter breakdown, conversation, Face things uh, at Jake Burns, uh, at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. Uh, yeah, guys, Jake's an up and comer. Guys, give him everything. Trust me. Uh, you know, I, I think Jake's in the 23, 2400 follower range now. I guarantee it's going to be 5K plus by the time Little Burns joins us. But, guys, I appreciate the support. You all, you fans, uh, you guys have done an cr- incredible job. Uh, it's been fun doing these shows, and, and I feel bad for you guys. The tweets I get and the tweets I see, you know, you all deserve better than this. You truly do. But Locked On Browns, look, uh, we're going to close out this last regular season week. Uh, we usually ask to do four or five episodes a week. I'm probably going to do closer to seven, eight. I have a lot of people that want to get on, uh, you know, kind of give their final summation before the year ends, and then we're going to hit the offseason. And trust me right now, there will be no other pod you are going to want for the offseason. Uh, for Jake Burns, for myself, guys, please follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. 
Uh, follow the at Lockdown Browns account. You guys have been fantastic with that. Uh, nothing more I can say, guys. Let's go Browns. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh on Sunday, off-season mode. Uh, Hugh, pack your bags. You got to go. Good night, everybody.